Welcome to the Menstruality Podcast, where we share inspiring conversations about the power of menstrual cycle awareness and conscious menopause. This podcast is brought to you by Red School, where we're training the menstruality leaders of the future. I'm your host, Sophie Jane Hardy, and I'll be joined often by Red School's founders, Alexandra and Shani, as well as an inspiring group of pioneers, activists, change makers, and creatives to explore how you can unashamedly claim the power of the menstrual cycle to activate your unique form of leadership for yourself, your community, and the world. Hey, welcome back to the Menstruality Podcast. Today's episode is with a woman who lives her life in full colour. Karen Arthur is a fashion designer. She's the host of the groundbreaking Menopause Whilst Black podcast and a leading voice in the global conversation to rewrite menopause. In today's episode, she busts menopause myths with this signature rare kind of honesty and fire and wit and humour. We explore how she made a bold transition from teacher to fashion designer, moved through depression to creative expression, learned that no is a complete sentence and found her voice, a new freedom in her voice through her menopause process. We explore her powerful work to make menopause diverse and amplify the voices of black British women in menopause. And we explore why we all need to wear our happy and how it felt to invite Davina McCall into her fashion design studio for the Channel 4 menopause documentary, Sex, Myths and the Menopause. Karen had a stinking cold for this episode, but she still managed to be powerful and clear and radiant. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoy talking to her. So Karen, hi, welcome to the Menstruality Podcast. And thank you so much for making the time to be with us today. That's okay. Hi, how are you? Well, we just had a little chat beforehand that we're both feeling a bit rubbish in different ways. So we'll see how this conversation goes today. We've got babies crying downstairs and dogs barking <laughs> and colds and all sorts of things yeah, going it's all, on. It's all going on here. I've got my tissues next to me. <laughs> Not because Good. I'm going to burst out crying. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be crying with laughter more than <laughs> So Karen, you've been so generous and courageous as well in the way that you've shared your own menopause story with the world you know I've really appreciated following you and as I just said to you you actually make me look forward to menopause I'm so grateful and you've become really I see a leading voice in this global conversation to rewrite the collective story of menopause you were featured in the Channel 4 documentary, Sex, Myths and the Menopause. There's articles about you in Vogue, in Red Magazine. So exciting. And you're the the host of the Menopause Whilst Black podcast. Just to get us started, I'd love to hear what inspired you to create the podcast and start doing this powerful work in the world. I was angry. That's that's what it was. Um, First of all, I want to apologise to your listeners because I will probably sneeze or sniff at some point because I have a stinking cold. But um, I thought it was so important to have this conversation. Um, I didn't want to reschedule at all. So um, I started Menopause Whilst Back podcast. I think the the trailer dropped a year ago uh, last week. Um, Oh, gosh. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because... um, 
I love, I'm going to go off on, slightly on a tangent. I love that we are all talking about menopause, or it feels like everybody is, and that menopause awareness month and menopause, uh, world menopause day is a thing. But it, I also need to recognise and acknowledge that for many people, many um, people who go through menopause, re-talking about their stories and revisiting their stories can be quite triggering. Mm. And I think for me, there's a double whammy here because when I talk about how I started my Menopause Whilst Black podcast, I'm also re- revisiting trauma around Black Lives Matter and around my people who look like me being killed. So I really want to kind of share that. And also, I guess a little bit honour myself, because um, I was on a call this morning listening to some black women talking about their own stories. And it's quite upsetting, you know, and everybody has a story to tell. And some of them are incredibly, you know, um, poignant and people have left their jobs and people have you know, broken up relationships and, you know, lots of things have happened. So I just want to acknowledge that first. Mm. But yes, I, I I was at home like most people. I was sewing masks, as most people who can sew were. <laughs> and um, George Floyd was murdered and it took over the news and we were a captive audience. Suddenly the world was awake, seemed to be awake to what Black folks knew, you know, the police brutality, racism that exists within the world, the world that we live in. Um, And I wondered, I became very quiet first. um, And then I was thinking about my fellow, you know, black women who are menopausal, who are suffering from going through hot flushes and their own symptoms and suffering in silence at home. And how they were also coping with seeing people who look like our husbands, our brothers, our, you know, our children being killed. And so I did a video, I had a little rant, uh, and I asked the question, if you've Googled the word menopause and click images, what do you see? And um, it landed, people got it, you know, because it was, you saw a sea of uh, white women, sad white women, I will say with their heads in their hands. It didn't represent anybody I look, who looked like me, white or black. Um, and so I started, I guess I opened up a conversation. I didn't intend to start a podcast, but months later, having spoken to more black women, I did a survey that many people answered. And one of the, the things that came out findings was that people wanted more. They wanted more information. They wanted to hear more people black women talking about their own journeys so that they would be better equipped and so I just started really I mean I hesitated a lot because I thought I'd need to be an expert I wanted it to be perfect um I wanted to I wanted to I didn't want to do anybody a disservice but also I thought somebody else would do it if I'm honest I get kind of metaphorically looking over my shoulder and thinking oh well someone else will do this and they didn't. So I did. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> I, I just thought that, you know, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome going on there. I mean, it's it's very common. I understand that. But I just thought some academic somewhere will have written, done a survey on black women. But they don't. First of all, people don't tend to, you know, 
research menopausal women full stop because our hormones are so unreliable. And then <laughs> black women at the bottom of that pile. So no one was asking the questions. And that's what I found is that, so there was research in 2007 from Northamptonshire uh, Medical Service. I want to say, give it a proper name, but I can't think of it right now. And they were asking a cohort of 22 BME women why they wanted to find out why black women, BME women were less likely to take up HRT. And so that was the premise. So it wasn't necessarily asking them, you know, about them per se. It was, why aren't you taking up HRT? And only four of those women identified as black British women. So when I did my research, or certainly when I started asking questions, in the end, when I closed it, 200 and, almost 250 women had filled it in. And it, overwhelmingly it was, I don't know anything. Where is the information? No one's asked us before. That's it. When I was researching black experiences and menopause for this podcast, I found a couple of, I didn't find the studies themselves, but a couple of references to studies where it shared that um, there's a lot going on for black and Latina and Asian women in menopause, like they're um, more likely to enter menopause earlier and experience more severe symptoms due to socioeconomic factors, but and also other stresses, including the systemic racism that you were talking about. And thank you, Karen, for naming um, that there's a re-traumatizing that can happen when black women are asked to talk about these experiences. So thank you for naming that. Um, And in another study, it said that this was in, in the UK, black and Asian women are harder hit than white women with higher levels of menopausal related conditions like heart disease, diabetes and depression, um, which I think it's there's so many reasons why your podcast is really important. But the fact that you're sharing so many stories of black women and black British women, too, it's um, it's wonderful. And I'd love to hear how like, how has that journey been over this past year? I can hear the joy in the conversations that you've had. Um, and the power like what what have you most loved about having these conversations what I what I most love about the podcast is it is literally me just chatting to other women that's it's great and I'm still gobsmacked that that's groundbreaking that that seems to be you know such an unusual thing because these are conversations that are new but I'd been having conversations with my friends a couple of years earlier face to face I'd gathered them around my kitchen table a few times and I'd said you know what I'm slightly older than my peer group I don't know why that is but I am and um, I am going through menopause and I think that you are too let's talk about it and often it was a me too moment it was just a relief to be able to share and we weren't all going through through it in the same way I was having hot flushes somebody else would have night sweats somebody else had aching joints you know um, there were commonalities, but there are also, you know, differences as well. And that's the message I want to get across. I also think for me, it was about I have, you know, two women, uh, daughters uh, who are 26 and 31. And I was absolutely determined and am determined that there is no way that they are going to go through menopause in the same way that I did, completely unprepared. And also with no one who looks like, you know, no one representing them. So um, I think it's important for everybody to hear stories. So some people say to me, oh, you know, menopause was black. Is it, is it just for black women? Well, of course it isn't. That's like 
that would be like saying to me, that would be like saying that I could only, as a black woman, I could only listen to, you know, I couldn't listen to podcasts like, I don't know, your podcast or postcards to midlife because it's a white woman. That makes absolutely mm-hmm. no sense. And it kind of slightly irritates me, but it's for mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. But we can hear the same story five, six, seven times, and then it will land the eighth time because of a commonality that we hadn't thought of before. So um, the journey has been wild in that I wasn't expecting it to take off the way it did. But I have had, and I have had, met some incredible people online um, and offline, moved that offline, and also heard some incredible stories and learned, my goodness, I've learned so much just about myself, about my own capabilities, but about how resilient um, women are in general, but how resilient black women are in particular. So, yeah, it's a trip. And it's great. And I, I'm coming to the end of season two. I've uh, not been very well, so I haven't been able to um, quite finish my final episode 11 of season two. But that will drop soon. And then I'm on to season three. Do you know what you have lined up for season three? Is it? I mean, it's more of the same amazing wild conversations, hopefully. I think that now that the podcast is becoming known, more and more women uh will be wanting to get involved i hope and want to share their stories people who are maybe more in the public eye but i have to say i would like to have conversations with my daughters who have said yes and i'd like to have a few conversations with some men as well if i'm honest uh, i think um i'd like to widen it you know menopause is a is a diverse conversation but it affects everyone in one way or another and i do not want to leave uh, men out of the equation because they're you know, often we ask we are supported by men either in our relationships or in our workplace or in some way or another and so whilst I'm excited that uh, menopause is being talked about it's still predominantly around white middle class women um, yeah. and I want it to be intergenerational and across genders um, and demographics as well. I've learned so much as a younger woman like I mean I'm how old am I I've got no idea I'm 39 gonna be 40 soon and um, I've got yeah I don't have any memory right now because I've got baby brain but I'm I've learned so much from listening to those conversations and I feel you know menopause used to feel like a um something to be a bit afraid of actually are you all right I'm going to sneeze. Wait a minute. I'm going to blow my nose, I mean. Hold it. You can edit this out or you can keep it. Yeah, no, we're... I'm going to blow my nose. (laughs) Sorry about that. I could feel it coming and you were mid, you know, mid-talking and I thought, well, it's going to happen, so let's do it. Right, I'm back. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, my goodness me. I know. God, life. Because we've all been we've all been shut away from each other, so now we're sharing all the germs that this that is we the didn't thing. Share. This yeah. is the thing because I'm thinking to myself, how have I, I've got I've had two colds in two weeks, like literally, and I'm I and this is a really really a full on week uh, month. In fact, it's a full on month. I'm a black menopausal woman, uh, so you know there's a lot going on um, for Black History Month and World Menopause Awareness Month. I can't afford to be ill, but if, at the same time, if, if my body is saying go to bed, which is exactly what I'm going to do soon, then um, that's what I need to honour. I wish we could just do this podcast from bed. 
<laughs> well, to be fair, you don't know where I am. <laughs> no, we we could both be a bear right now. Maybe we are in our PJs. <laughs> oh, um, I think I was saying something about how I'm 39 and I, yeah. and I used to dread menopause. I mean, yeah. I haven't. Yeah, there is. There wasn't much conversation about it, but hearing the life and the audacity and the like vivaciousness and the laughs that you have in your conversations and actually I'm especially thinking right now of the conversation I listened to with you and Omishade from the founder of Black Girls Guide to Surviving Menopause that was hilarious (laughs) so funny and I'll I'll link to it in the show notes because it's everyone should listen to this one everyone should listen to your podcast and I'll link I'll link to that that was the one I got cramp in a really (laughs) bad cramp oh my god and I just said to her, look, just carry on talking. And I stood up hitting the back of my thighs. Um, yeah. And that's a menopause symptom, by the way. <laughs> I've learned a lot from you about menopause symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> um, and well, one of the things you were talking about, I think that I think this was in her podcast, was about how noisy it is out there in the world about menopause, like how to deal with menopause, what supplements to take, what you should be doing. And, and it can give the impression that menopause menopausal women are just looking for cures you know it's all about the cures and you two were talking about how it's time to have a, a fuller conversation and I'd love to explore what you think that conversation needs to include well that conversation was a year ago practically like maybe November and lots of changes lots has changed since then menopause is becoming a brand big businesses have are sitting up and whilst um the fact that it's become something that lots of people are talking about and certainly workplaces are talking about it means that more women are going to be able to access their care that care is also not fair it's not fairly accessed women from a low income who often are women of color are being left out of this conversation you know um, if you want to take hrt currently you have to pay for the prescription Um, in England if you don't want to take HRT then how do you access holistic care that isn't a blinking fortune Um, and the other side to that is if you're not on Instagram and you're not on social media and you're someone who is just you know trying to get by across demographics then how are you going to know all this stuff I do a lot of my chatting yes on podcasts and on Instagram and all the rest of it but you can't assume that everybody's accessing that you know Um, so Gosh, it needs to be so much broader. We need to be listened to. The other side to this is, you know, we haven't talked about this, but certainly medical racism. We have some things in the news about um, about um, black women and maternity and how we are, you know, the, what, the five times more campaign where we are four or five times more likely to die in, you know, giving birth. You know, this is, this is around... The kind of um, information and education that doctors are receiving where, you know, 50 percent of doctors. I read this somewhere. I can't link to the actual quote, but 50 percent of doctors uh, believe that black women have a higher threshold than our white counterparts. And that's absolutely rubbish. And it is totally steeped in medical racism because the modern profession um, modern medicine is founded on the bodies of you know um black indentured slaves so there's a lot to unpack there 
And and so it makes us understandably sometimes suspicious of going to the doctor, but it also means that when we do get there, we're not believed. So there's a lot to sort out, and that starts with education. But it also, it's around having conversations with the people in our lives. You know, I didn't speak to my mother about menopause. Women aren't encouraged to speak about the, our bits, you know, sexual health. Um, and often we have that whole keep calm and carry on. We have that stoic, well, my mother went through it and she was fine, so I can too. It's like we feel we can't get help or that it's a sign of weakness. And, you know, I'm I'm here to tell you it really isn't. So there's lots of different approaches that need to take place, but mostly it's about hearing from everybody. More and more women across the demographics need to hear stories from people that resonate with them. So Karen, you shared a a powerful and a really vulnerable post about your mental health challenges and depression that happened for you as you were entering menopause. And you shared it with a photo of you with this big smile. And you say that the photo helped to keep you in denial about depression. And But it's important for us to expand this conversation about depression and depression and menopause. It doesn't look a specific way. Could you share a bit about what helped you through that part of your menopause journey because I'm I know there will be women listening who need to hear what you're going to share well a lot of my knowledge about my own menopause is in retrospect and hindsight so I was in denial about being depressed because I laughed and I thought that people who were depressed couldn't laugh I thought you walked around feeling sad all the time. And that picture that you're mentioning is a classic example. So I moved into anxiety and depression in autumn 2014. My daughters had both gone to university. It was getting dark. Uh, (laughs) My boiler broke. Um, It was a perfect storm, really. I was very stressed at work. And because I didn't have my girls to fixate on, not fixate, focus on, sorry, uh, I I didn't have any choice but to turn the gaze on myself. Um, And I was forgetting things. I was suffering from brain fog, and I had been for a while, but I was in complete denial about that as well because I was scared. I was scared shitless, I'm going to say, because I was worried that if I told anybody that I didn't know what I was doing, or I couldn't remember things, that I would get demoted or worse, sacked. And then how would I keep my house? How would I pay my bills? And also, what would I do? I'd been teaching by that time for 27 years. I didn't know anything else. So I was in denial for a long time. I had some time off work. I was officially diagnosed with anxiety and depression, which gave me something to hold on to. But I also knew that I was having hot flushes Decided it was my new boiler was the problem. Opened all the windows. And when the penny did drop, that that heat was me, not, you know, not my faulty eating system. And I mentioned it to my doctor. She offered me antidepressants because 
the focus was going back to work. For me, I just needed to get back to some semblance of normality. I needed to know that I could still be on my A game. So although I uh, refused, declined, is a better way of putting it, the antidepressants, I wasn't wholly against them, but I wanted to try other things as well. And in the end, I left my job. And I, people have asked me, you know, well, if, if you knew what you know now, would you have advocated for yourself? You know what? I don't know. The culture wasn't to talk about menopause. I, I didn't name it in my risk assessment. I didn't talk to anybody at work about it. I talked about anxiety and depression. And that was, I want to say embarrassing. Was it embarrassing? Yeah, it was actually. I felt like I, felt like I was a failure. Um, and I ended up leaving and thinking, oh, well, it's the job. The job's the problem. And the job wasn't the problem. It was just the beginning, really, you know. Um, so I went into therapy, finally. I'd spent years avoiding it, and it got to the point where I was like, you know what, Karen? You've got to do something. You owe yourself this. So I went into therapy. And even then, I thought it was going to be a quick fix. I thought I'd do six weeks, and I'd be fixed. That's not how therapy works, is it? <laughs> so uh what else did I do I learned mindful meditation my brother is a Buddhist and he recommended John Kabat-Zinn's hefty book um for catastrophe living catastrophe living which to date I've read half of it's really big but I recommend anyway um if you can get it from the library even better because it's expensive um I deepened my yoga practice my training my degree is in performing arts. I've always been, I taught dance for almost two decades. So I've always been someone who did some kind of stretching first thing in the morning. But as I had nothing else to do, let's face it, where was I going? <laughs> All my mates were at work. So I had nothing else to do but meditate and body scan and stretch and go, go for walks as long as I could go at a time when I could guarantee that no one I knew would see me. You know, hair down, hood up, dark clothes. Mate, it was a trip. And during that time, my aunt Monica passed away suddenly. And it's funny about like, I don't know, grief is a is a weird one. Because this is the other thing that kept me in denial, because I went into superwoman mode. I was the executor for her will. And I organized the funeral and I contacted all the uh you know all the relatives and I basically went into gotta do this gotta do that gotta do the other um and so I thought oh I can't have depression I must be better now literally mm-hmm. um and then once the funeral was over we'd had the memorial summer came and went my friends went back to work and gradually I went and therapy took hold, I would say. Um, and I got worse before I got better. I hesitate to use the word worse. I went deeper mm. before I came out, I would say. I just rediscovered my love of dressing. I became bolder. I began to choose clothes deliberately to lift my mood. I chose, you know, clothing that my aunt had worn because I was missing her. And I started to talk about where you're happy and fashion psychology, you know, six years ago, which is now very much the thing now. 
And gradually with this, with, you know, becoming silent, allowing the thoughts to come in, getting bored, actually. And this is a, I speak from someone uh, in a very privileged position. How many women have that, the opportunity to do that? I was living off my savings. I was making no money at all. Um, I chucked money at therapy. I would do it again. It was the best gift I ever gave myself. And it was hard. Um, but I, I, I've, I'm a strong advocate for meditation now. And for sitting, for, for, for becoming less busy, for setting boundaries, for saying no, not saying yes when you mean no, which is really hard. I'm in the eldest child, so I'm used to, we get to a certain age and we're, we're in boxes, aren't we? We're already the person who does this and the person who does that. So when we want to break out of that, that can be very difficult for our family and also for our friends. You know, but um, I highly, yeah, I highly recommend. Yeah, you know, so I did. Again, I did. I chucked everything at it. Really, I tried lots of things, um, but I was lucky that I had the space and time to do that. And eventually, I set. I decided. I worked with a creative business coach to decide what I really wanted out of life. And I decided to curate the next 50 years, if I'm lucky, um, in a way that suits me and to do things that I love. And mm. on the whole, that's what I'm doing. When I said any advice, what I meant was, have you got ah. any advice for how to say, how to say no? to oh, the people you love and that love you? I, uh, you don't make excuses. You know what? That Natalie Lou, I don't know whether you know her, she runs Baggage Reclaim. She has just, she's writing a book called The Joyful Art of Saying No or something similar. And there are a few people I follow who their boundaries are on point. But women are brought up to be people pleasers. We're brought up, we are praised for giving to others and not to ourselves. Giving to ourselves is seen as selfish. But I want people to remember that no is actually a full sentence. We are always adding things to sentences that could be much shorter. Even when it comes to compliments. When, when someone says to you, I like that dress. Why do we feel the need to tell them where we got it from and that it was in the sale? And our, or, or this, Why did we do that? No, they didn't ask that. Or when, you know, someone compliments on something, we have to turn it into making us ourselves small again. Boundaries are very similar. I used to have a, I used to have a practice with some of my girlfriends. This was at work, actually when I worked at, for a reforestation charity called Tree Sisters, and we decided that when someone gave you a compliment, you had to say, I know. Yeah, yeah. And, and notice, notice how you feel, because often you feel quite bad, you know. But it's practice. You practice it. I, my suggestions are writing scripts down so that you have something that you always say and you default to that. But it's – but what – it gets better with practice and I don't always do it. 
I don't always do it. I, I have to remind myself every now and then that no is a full sentence. And just because you've always done something doesn't mean you have to continue doing it. We change. Our bodies change. Our minds change. So, of course, we don't always have to do the same thing. I wanted to ask, um, you said you were practicing yoga and I, f- I feel like I saw in one of your posts that you recommended Donna Noble yoga. just wanted to flag that up as a resource. Yeah, Donna Noble, again, someone I met online and then met only recently in person. Um, and she's an advocate, she runs Curvesome Yoga as well. She's an advocate for body positivity, but not the, po- not the toxic stuff, you know, that everybody is a yoga body. And we assume that to start being fit, whether it's yoga, whether it's running, that we need all the equipment and all the gear. And that's not the case. If you have a body, um, then there are lots of ways that you can start yoga. I know many yogis. Donna's one of them. Um, Paula Hines, You Can Yoga is another one. So many, I, I can't reel off their names. But certainly women who advocate for moving your body breathing deeply we breathe we do not use our breath in the way that serves us best and yoga helps us to do that and helps us to heal and I I, any advice I would give to people certainly about aging is to stretch stretch our body because the less we move the less we'll be able to move as we get older Mm. do you do strength work as well because I know one I um, bloody do yeah one menopause doctor I was following was really advocating strength training in yeah I mean people assume that strength training means you have to lift weights and whilst that is obviously great strength training yoga can be strength training some of those um poses you need to you know have some kind of upper body strength and lower body strength to be able to do them running is strength training as well it's load-bearing um stuff um uh who's the person on instagram kate Rowhampton, i want to say fitness um she does a wonderful she does wonderful uh like early morning and you know insta lives and things like that where you can combine lots of different ways of moving your body but you don't have to stick to one thing basically you have to find an exercise that works for you walking Hiking, if you can get outside, get some daylight in your eyes, um, that kind of thing. These are all, you know, good for our mind and our body. Yeah. Karen, you express yourself so vividly in so many ways, like the way you speak, the way you dress. Um, And in the Vogue article I was reading, there's this quote from you. You said, menopause has gifted me with this voice I didn't know I have I've always been loud but not opinionated because I'd always acted in a way that I thought I was supposed to act whether it's for the man I was with or in the workplace could you share a bit about how you see this process of your voice being freed up well I suppose it happened by force (laughs) you know one to two major things that happened in my life I suppose one is I ended a 20-year relationship that was that was abusive basically um and that was spending I spent a long time trying to be the person I thought he wanted me to be but that didn't so that was one thing but then I 
freed myself. But then what I did is I threw myself into work because then what I needed to do was make sure my kids were all right. So the next thing was having my, what I call a breakthrough, which was, you know, hitting menopause, leaving teaching um, and going deeper into myself before I came out. I mean, I know I've mentioned that before, but, you know, sometimes we spend a lot of time ignoring. We It's often we know the answers. I found that once I got silent, the answers come. And so I was always supposed to start this podcast. So all that time I was looking over my shoulder and second guessing myself and thinking, oh, somebody else will do it. Actually, it was supposed to be me. Um, I've forgotten the question. <laughs> oh my god you can i mean you could carry on i could listen to you for days keep going i mean i was asking you about your your free your the freedom in your voice is something that i feel is quite rare yeah i think menopause does that to you you know i think that it 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 gives you oh you'll have to swear can i swear i want to swear It it gives you this 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 you know this kind of it gives you an unfuck fuck with gene it's like I don't care what people think about me I'm not interested in dyeing my hair to reveal the true me because that's rubbish I'm not interested in dressing in a in a way that a certain woman woman of a certain age should in parentheses dress I'm not interested in appearing sexy whatever that means I couldn't give a monkeys if I'm honest you know and I feel like the wonderful thing about transitioning into this period of my life is that, and you know, that I'm getting from other menopausal women when I talk to them is that they don't really care. I don't care what you think about me. If you don't like the way I, if you think I look like an explosion in a paint factory, which often I do, that's cool. (laughs) You know, I also think, and I think this is more important is that all that time I was not saying what I really thought, whether it was at work, in my relationship or relationships all that time I thought I worried about what people would think about me and I wasn't being my true self actually the minute I started to own my vulnerability and speak truthfully to myself and then to other people is when I I was happier that's that's made me a lot happier you know that kind of it's doing the inner work isn't it that sounds really wanky sorry but it's true (laughs) it's true I vowed to be honest with myself first and that would mean I would be honest with other people and I don't mean you know telling people that their bum looks big in this I don't mean that (laughs) I mean (laughs) just not doing things for likes not doing things because I want someone to like me, you know, not doing things because it's a done thing, doing things because, because I want to and because it feels right. Does that make sense? It does. I was just trying not to talk because there was a big uh, police siren or ambulance siren going past, so I was just pausing. <laughs> Are you in London? Are you in, I'm not. I'm in Sheffield, actually. You're in, in Sheffield. Sheffield. Okay, so in yeah. London we get a lot of sirens, so... Yeah. Are you in London right now? I'm in South East London, yeah. But fortunately, it's been a little bit quiet. You were in Barbados recently, right? Oh, my God, yes. I chose to take a month off, which I've never 
really done as a holiday. Um, mm. And it took me two, two weeks of that holiday and my aunt saying to me, to reminding me that I was on holiday before I did actually start to relax. Because mm. it takes time to relax. Yeah. You know, yeah. to, such to, a to momentum truly, in us, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and even when I got back, this is the thing. So the first week I got back, I did my back in and I developed a cold. This is my second cold, by the way. And, um, but I felt like I couldn't, I had to keep going because I felt guilty for having a month off. So I, I, um, in the end, my, my friend, Natalie, gave me a good talking to and basically said, it's okay to rest. I need to follow my own advice. Sometimes I'm very good at saying, you know, rest is resistance and make sure that you sleep and make sure you get bored. But because I felt guilty about having that time off, um, I wasn't taking my own advice. So, yeah. And if you add into the fact that we're seeing more people, yeah, of course I was going to get a cold at some point. But yes, I had a month in Barbados and I recommend it to anybody. I felt safer out there. Uh, during COVID than I do in Britain and that says everything you need to know really <laughs> mm, I would love to be in Barbados right now <laughs> it's hard to rest though isn't it it's hard to rest for so many reasons but especially when the work that you're doing you can feel how needed it is in the world you know the work you're doing for for everyone and especially for black women it's um it's so necessary and for for all activists and people who are doing needed work in the world I think it makes it in a way doubly hard to stop and rest because the guilt comes on really strong and also people demand things of you people that's when your boundaries you know if you go away or if you decide to take a break that's when your boundaries go have to go into overdrive because people don't care some people just don't care you know they they want they want what they want and they want it now you know and so you have to be very I want to say strict, boundaried, uh, and recognise that in the long run, you cannot help anybody if you don't look after yourself first. What is it? You can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. I know. I know there are lots of women who feel like this because I've spoken to them. They want to find the kind of freedom that you have and that you express, but they feel stuck. They feel stuck in their voice. They feel stuck in their lives. Um, have you got some words for those women who want to who want to find that freedom like how they can move through to it oh god no pressure um I would say start start with one thing rebellion is um catching it's contagious sorry it's addictive I would say so I would say start with one thing Maybe something that involves putting your out of office on on a Sunday that very clearly says to people, you know, that you're, you know, you're not answering your emails um, or. I don't know, crafting something, making sure that you write a script so that the next time somebody asks you to do something that you definitely don't want to do, you're able to say that and reel that off, practicing it in the mirror. Um, it's different for different people, isn't it? And obviously we all have a different kind of path to how we can live more freely but certainly my you know my advice would be similar to my advice around how to wear the clothes that you love 
and not care about what people think. I always say start small. It's usually in your knicker drawer. You know, start by chucking out all the grey ones and the ones with the elastic, you know, falling off and buy something that you love. It's just for you. That isn't to show to your partner. That isn't to take a picture and put on Instagram with your stomach, pulling, you know, pulling your stomach in and all that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's just for you to make you feel good. So I would say start small. My out of office is my little rebellion, but it's also mm. a reminder to me that I deserve rest. Um, and often people have said, oh, my God, I need to do that, too. So um, remember, when you start, you inspire somebody else, too. It's never just about you, you know. Uh, I hope that's yeah. helpful. I don't know. It is helpful, especially about rebellion being contagious. It is. It is. There's that little kind of free song, like, oh, I don't have to do that. <laughs> and it really frees you up. You know, but um, you got to start somewhere. So you may as well start little and um, build it up. Yeah. Alexandra, who's one of the co-founders of Red School, Alexandra and Shani, they, they always talk about doing the 1% because the 1% leads to the 2%, at least to the 5%. And Absolutely. before you know it, you're an unfuckable with Absolutely, menopause. yes. That's the phrase that I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about clothes. Let's. I think my favourite bit about watching you in the Channel 4 documentary, what was that like, by the way? Was that, what was it like to be interviewed? To it that? was bonkers. It was uh, out of the book. Well, they contacted me almost nine months previously because of where you're happy. People assume that, oh, I was on it because of my podcast. But my podcast was only a month old then. I'd only dropped two, two episodes. And if I'd been asked about it, I probably would have flustered myself because I was new to the game. So um, it was great, actually. It was fun. Davina McCall is hilarious and honest. Her authenticity really shines through. I love that they came to my studio, so I was in my comfort zone. Um, and I loved being part of it because not only because of what's come from that, but also the knowledge I gained, you know, and the connections I made. Um, I also like the fact that although the, the um, programme is very heavily uh, HRT bias, understandably, because that information isn't, wasn't really out there, they also used my story around anxiety and depression to talk about menopause because lots of people don't realise that that is a symptom, can be a symptom. So, um, yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I was going to say, actually, my favourite thing about it was that you were in your studio. So we all got <laughs> to be in your studio with you. And I, and I just thought, I want to be there, all the colour. And you're cutting up these gorgeous bits of cloth. And, um, yeah, again, so much vibrancy and freedom in that in that space. And I know that a lot of people want to make big shifts around menopause or they just feel absolutely compelled to Alexandra calls it the burn your house down moment mm. like ending relationships just wanting to walk away into the sunset for a couple of years or or forever mm. changing jobs uh, and I've heard women describe it as they're actually coming home to themselves by yeah. making these big moves but so it was a big shift for you from teaching to fashion design and I'd love to hear a bit about it um I would, sorry, I've just made a really odd noise. It's going to sound really funny. Um, I, so I had always sewn. My mother taught me to sew when I was 15. 
So I've always sewn. I used to make my own clothes. I made my kids' clothes. You know, I made home furnishings. And then I'd started a little hobby slash business. I call it a hobby because I wasn't making any money. I wasn't charging enough. Making um, bags out of Ankara fabric, African print fabrics, vibrant colours. And then when I left teaching, it all I lost, just before that, I lost the will to sew. I lost all love of, you know, the joy of fashion and creativity and sitting down at my sewing machine. That went out the window. And if I think about it, that was the first thing to go. Um, so when I started, when, you know, I started to feel better, and now we're talking a good, maybe another year, um, I had done an open house in my home and I had decided to make some clothing. And it was, you know, my kids were blown away, but people, people loved it and it sold. And mm. my daughter said, Mom, you need to charge more. You need to, you know, get it out there. And I burst into tears. I was like, how? How do you? I didn't know the first thing about marketing, about marketing myself. I wasn't confident. I wasn't confident in my own abilities. I just felt lost. So I contacted a lady who had uh, done my website, as it goes. And it just so happens, this is how the universe works, I suppose, that she had started a creative consultancy agency. So I came on board as one of her first clients. But I will say, I didn't take a lot of notice of her. (laughs) You You know when you, like, years later there are things she said to me and I will send her a message and go oh my god you know when you told me to do this and I didn't well you were right (laughs) but it was almost like because I was doing that alongside therapy so it was almost like a double whammy because she was so she first of all she was knowledgeable but also she kind of held my hand through deciding not to make bags anymore and recognizing that my favorite thing about being creative is the relationships I make with the women I talk to and so I moved from making bags to sell on my website to making bespoke clothing for women and those are the conversations because often the women who come to me the first consultation we have one of the questions I ask is what do you love about your body my goodness my goodness we can't we can't come up with one thing we always have a list of the things that we don't love and often that's not based in anything you know we are it's upsetting and so my job my my what I do is I create clothing that makes you feel special makes you stand tall but also the conversations we have when we're doing fittings and in between from the consultation to the final product it's about empowering us to feel comfortable and celebrate the body that we're in, you know? Mm. Mm. And part of that is wearing clothes that you love and not giving a damn about, you know, um, what other people think. I'm, I'm putting this on because I like it. I'm wearing, you know, these trainers with this skirt, with this top, because... Maybe it was something that was given to me. Maybe it belonged to someone I love. Maybe I just love the colour. I don't care if it clashes. I feel great and that's it. So it becomes less about looking good, although 
when you feel good, it kind of, it glows out of your face. <laughs> I think it does. You stand a different way when you feel good. But it's, it's a confidence and you have to work at it. I think hearing you talk, there is such medicine in menopause for everybody because this kind of freedom of going deep inside, accepting who we are and celebrating it and not taking bullshit, being truthful with ourselves and with everyone else. Isn't that what basically we need everywhere like throughout our whole world to turn it around? It's It feels like we've got it so wrong. Not only are menopausal women invisible, which is just crazy, we actually need to be turning to the menopausal women to get the wisdom that's needed to turn the crazy tanker of our world around when it comes to um, anti-racism work, when it comes to all social justice work, when it comes to alleviating hunger and poverty. You know, there is so much trouble on our earth that we need to resolve. And I feel that, that, that the leaders that we need are the menopausal women. I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly. Menopausal women are encouraged to become invisible. Once you are past your sell-by date, as in you can't have kids and you don't look a certain way, we are encouraged to disappear. But we've been on this planet for the longest. We have the most knowledge and the most experience. Actually, if we are given support, then we absolutely can boss uh, companies, you know, um, countries and so on and so forth. I have no intention clearly I have no intention of being invisible but I would say that this isn't about menopause or women this is about women this is about the world this is about you know young women recognizing and preparing themselves and you know giving themselves knowledge so that menopause perimenopause and menopause are just another thing you go through the only reason one of the main reasons menopause is so difficult is because we enter it blind so if we, I honestly believe that this is a fantastic time and opportunity to be alive. I'm absolutely welcoming this talk because certainly my girls aren't going to walk blindly into menopause. And I know lots of, you know, other generations, it, it will be exactly the same. I feel that in maybe even 10 years time, 20 years time, we'll look back and go, my God, did you have to fight for menopause? In the same way that you know, suffragettes had to fight to um, to vote. I think it's a similar thing. I think that we, man, it's 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 women are incredible, and empowering them to do so by talking about uh, something that, at the end of the day, you know, many of us are going to go through is uh, can only be positive for the world. I would say that sounds quite lofty. But I feel quite strongly about it. I agree. I agree. Not that it's lofty. I agree. It's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe in closing, what would you say to, and you could do it right now because I am one of these, to younger women who might feel scared or uh, anxious about menopause? What would you like to share with them? I'd say don't be scared. That's number one. I would say... Um, listen to if you are lucky enough to have a relationship with your mother or she's still alive start those conversations or your aunt or older women listen to them ask them questions you know not necessarily you know they're not necessarily going to want to have those conversations don't assume this but certainly it's an opportunity 
to start a conversation about something that has been taboo for far too long. And I would also say, no, I want to say learn your body. That's another wanky thing to say. What do I mean? I mean, we often self-medicate. We drink and you know, we enjoy ourselves. We drink, we smoke, we do lots of things. We don't exercise. We stop doing the things that we were told to do and we know are good for us at school once we leave school. And I would say that um, I've learned a lot about my own diet and my nutrition. There is lots of information out there, listening to this podcast, listening to my podcast. Take advantage of the knowledge that is now out there and don't dismiss it as, oh, that'll happen in, you know, in, a, in 10, 20 years time. It's like pensions. You don't need it and then suddenly you do. if you've got the opportunity to find out more now's the time to do it I'm a big fan of intergenerational learning Um, Mm. don't dismiss it as an old woman's thing because it isn't Mm. I can't wait for that episode with your daughters yes so I need to set that up actually (laughs) Mm. can't wait for that Oh, I, I mean, thank you so much. Even with a cold and full of snot, <laughs> you're incredible. Full of snot <laughs> is the phrase. Absolutely. Goodness me. I hope, I mean, you know, I hope it comes across and it's not too sniffy and snotty. But um, if, if you feel that it needs, you know, revisiting, let me know. And um, I'll, I'm sure we'll be able to sort something out. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk to you again in the future. Um, pick pick up one of the other themes and and go deeper with it I want to ask uh, as we close how people who are listening can connect with you so there's your menopause whilst black podcast so I'll link to that yes there's your Instagram so there's two Instagrams because I never do anything by halves do I so there's the Karen Arthur which I bang on about was merging a bit but it's you know fashion and anything that takes my fancy really um if you google the Karen Arthur my name comes up. That's quite simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. Uh, yeah, so there's Menopause Whilst Black and there's The Karen Arthur on Instagram. I'm The Karen Arthur on Twitter and I'm in and out of Facebook. Yeah, so my, my weapon of choice, shall we say, is Instagram. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Thank you for showing up when you felt like crap. Thank you for... <laughs> everything you're doing in the world i am so grateful for for all of us Um, thank you so much thank you for your patience (laughs) and thank you for having me thank you so much for being with us today and listening to the menstruality podcast from red school please subscribe and follow wherever you listen to podcasts and it'll really help us to reach more people if you could leave us a review And if you'd like to explore how to activate your unique form of leadership through menstrual cycle awareness and conscious menopause, you can visit menstrualityleadership.com. All right, see you next week. And until then, keep living life by your own brilliant rhythm.